stories of origin are really, really important. They tell us where we came from, what we are made for, and where we're headed. So this past week in Bible class, we began talking about the Christian origin story as we considered Genesis 1. And I thought that it would be worthwhile to continue talking about this idea of origin stories is really formative for our worldview with Josh today. So Josh, thanks for joining me with this conversation as we continue to think about where we came from and where we're headed. It's good to be here, Aaron, and I'm looking forward to discussing this more. Okay, so I I think this idea of identifying your origin story is really, really important. And I think that we see it happening all over the place, Mm -hmm. okay? So I think we see it happening at a family level. Families have origin stories where they kind of explain their characteristic traits and who they are Mm -hmm. and all sorts of these things. So on a, you know, very general level, you might explain your athleticness or lack thereof based on whether or not your parents did or did not participate in sports. Mm. And of course, we have another layer of that where we think about genetics and all of these things. But generally, in the narratival form, we think about it in terms of who our parents are and where they came from. Mm. And so we have origin stories with families. You have origin stories with corporations, you know, whether that's a business or a school or something else. When, when a business is going through changes or is there identifying you know, their branding or anything else, where do they go to? Mm -hmm. Well, they go to their origin story. And and I think this is one of the coolest things about, you know, all the trendy coffee shops and everything else is there's usually a unique story behind it. And Mm. and that origin story shapes everything from the name of the coffee beans to the decorations in the room. Mm. But then I think as we look at these origin stories, we can look at them at a more global level or even a national level. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's start with national level. There are symbols that accompany origin stories too, but the, the origin story is just an interpretation of events that happened. So on a national level, our origin story in the United States is this, you know, rebellion against Britain is we were unfairly taxed and, and persecuted, essentially. And so we have this origin story of freedom mm-hmm. from tyranny, this um, ownership of guns that allows us to stand up to that tyranny. And we have a national anthem that communicates the imagery of these battles, and we have a flag that signifies mm-hmm. who we are. But they're symbols connected to an origin story. Mm-hmm. But our origin story as Americans, is an interpretation of events. Because I bet that there are residents in Britain who Mm -hmm, look at that mm -hmm. same set of events and have a different interpretation of it, right? I bet you're right. And and so when we think about origin stories as what provides meaning, so, so I think what an origin story does is it explains where you came from, and in so doing, it explains your current purpose, mm, mm-hmm. you know, the, what you exist for, your telos. And then it also paints a picture of what should be. And, and we t- talk about this in theological terms of your eschatology, mm-hmm. what the end should be, what the best of all things should be in the end. And so in America, I think that this origin story is really important and actually explains a lot of the conflict that we're seeing. So mm-hmm. you think about a symbol like the flag. Or, or the national anthem being mm, sung. Mm-hmm. Well, if we understand that the, those symbols are connected to an origin story, and that origin story is an interpretation of certain events, mm-hmm. you could see how one group of people will look at the flag and hear the national anthem and connect that symbol 
to the interpretation of events as freedom from tyranny. Mm -hmm. But then very, you know, on the other hand, on the other hand, on mm -hmm. that very opposite side, you have people looking at that symbol and saying, well, freedom from tyranny for a few, mm -hmm. but not for everybody. And mm -hmm. so that symbol actually connects to an ongoing form of slavery or a, an ongoing form of tyranny mm. where freed people now are exercising tyranny over others. And, and so I think it's really helpful for us to start to think about the reality that we are storied people who care about our origins mm. and whose origin stories, those interpretation of events, impact virtually everything yeah, else that goes yeah. on. And so someone who's identifying closely with this origin story, sometimes we refer to them as a mythos, you know, mm. this American origin story, if you start to tamper with a right to own firearms, mm. that goes against the grain of who you are. Mm -hmm. Why? Because in your origin story, yeah. there's this very, it's a very important part of it. Rooted in history. I agree. And I think that's also why, Aaron, that perhaps there's a lot of people fascinated with like Ancestry.com where they're trying to figure out who their ancestors were. And they, they want to go back further, not even if they're from a different country per se. They want to say, well, what were my relatives doing over in Japan or Germany? Who were they? And they're looking for their, like you were saying, their identity, uh, their end from who they were in the past. And I think that's something that my dad did. He wanted to know who his ancestors were. He was fascinated. He wanted to know, why do I have these even biological conditions? And we look to our origins. Where did we come from? So, yeah, you're, you're on to something here. And I think it's why a lot of people are so fascinated with it. Yeah, pe people are willing to sell their DNA mm -hmm. to the government, essentially, with the <laughs> middleman of the person who yeah. will connect it to yeah. a family tree because we care that much about origin stories. Mm. Um, and, and I think that if we could keep talking at this national level, it's mm. easy to see it Going here. back here, yeah. Origin stories result in this idea of what we are made for or what we exist for and what we should be aiming for. And then that bleeds out into propositional statements that should, are either accepted or rejected. Mm -hmm. And so one interpretation of the events that lead to the existence of the United States of America is life, liberty, and mm -hmm. the pursuit of happiness. Okay, so we've taken an interpretation of events, and now we start to have these propositions of what we exist for and what we hold dear to us. So we have value statements you know, we value life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then those value statements then go on to form what we identify as virtuous or as vice, mm, okay? Mm -hmm, and so, mm -hmm. so not only do you have propositional statements of value, but then you also have kind of moral statements that drive forward in mm. every aspect of life. So then, as you start to look at these origin stories, there are narratives that result in propositions that result in values and virtues and vice distinctions, okay? Mm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think if we can recognize that everyone does this naturally, mm -hmm. it will better help us understand people's propositions when we hear them, okay? Mm -hmm, so I was mm -hmm. thinking about this, and in, in maybe this is getting on dangerous waters, but oh, no. <laughs> as, as I was over the summer encountering the Black Lives Matters movement, so not just the sentiment, but the movement for the first time as I was looking at their statements of belief. So mm -hmm. th that's interesting in and of itself. There's our movements with almost like creedal statements, okay? 
things that we value, but then things that are virtuous or things that we identify as vice because of what we value. And underlying this are narratives. Mm, So mm -hmm. propositions are rooted in narratives. And so as you engage in conversation with people, sometimes we engage just on the proposition level and the conversations don't really go anywhere. Mm. You have to start to engage on the narrative level because on that level, there are events that are being interpreted in a particular way. And then those things are being co-opted for a vision of the future. All right. Mm -hmm. But then you go back even further because those narratives, those individual narratives rest on a larger origin story, larger framework. And as we can start to understand that larger origin story for people, we're better able to have compassion for them, but then also better able to see where the weaknesses are and where, where someone is misguided from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking uh, with respect to black lives matter, the movement, there are these narratives of oppression or um, circumstances of violence done based on skin color or something like that, that are standing on top of an origin story that says in America, African Americans originated in this movement of slavery. Mm. And it's that origin story that's being identified with foundationally that then goes on to build this, the other narratives and give them a framework to sit in that then leads to propositional statements. Mm. I think it's really easy to identify it there, but then also in other places, I think this idea of origin stories is just really, really important because yeah. it explains everything. And if we can keep tracing people's ideas down to the origin story, I think we'll have a lot better conversations. Better understanding all around, seeing where they're coming from and their perspective. So what what do we do, Aaron, then when we come across an origin story that is not in line with with ours? And uh, maybe this is where you're heading. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so people have competing origin yeah, stories. Yeah. But before we get there, we've talked about personal and then national mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and even ethnic-based. Sure, I, origin stories of all kinds. I think we need to then move to global origin stories. So where, where we came the from The story humans? of humanity. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you know where I'm going with this because we talked about this on Sunday. I don't but, I have a good memory, so this will be a good reminder. Okay. <laughs> so the, yeah. what is, if, if you ask the normal person, the mm-hmm. average mm-hmm. Joe, where did humans come from? What are we going to hear? What's the origin story of humanity? I think probably the prevailing one is evolution, the, the one I hear most anyway. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so our origin story is some sort of chemical reaction that mm-hmm. results in an explosion and over time, in a really long amount of time, mm-hmm. eventual development through evolutionary processes, macro and micro, to where we are now, mm-hmm. okay? I think that origin story gives people an understanding of who they are now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. of who they're supposed to be and this vision for the end of the good life, of eschatology, of where we're all headed. And I don't think that origin story is very helpful, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? <It can laughs> because be helpful. what it does is it reduces the pinnacle of meaning to an isolated chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't support us very far. It doesn't allow us to fit our individual experiences and narratives into a bigger system that's bigger than that narrative. You know, I I think as we talked about the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm -hmm. when a 
person with black skin is shot by a police officer with white skin, that's a smaller narrative that fits into a a story of origin, white slavery of black people, right? And, And so a smaller narrative can fit into a bigger framework. Well, when we talk about whether whether you agree with everything that's said there or not, it works that way. When we talk about the origins of humanity, if the origin story is a by chance explosion mm-hmm, that eventuates mm-hmm. into what we are, that is actually a smaller story than the individual stories that we experience and the individual narratives that we have. So, so what happens is not explainable by the smaller story of evolution, really. Mm. So, so it doesn't help us make ethical decisions mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. one person can look at it and say, well, our origin story says that the way to advance is by the survival of the fittest. And so I'm stronger and more powerful than you. And I have this drive to survive because that's what's rooted in our chemical reactions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I will crush you so that I can survive. And that's how mother nature works. Okay. So, so this origin story I think is just really unhelpful Mm -hmm. and is Mm -hmm. actually more impactful than most people would recognize. I think unconsciously, just subconsciously, maybe we would say people connect who they are and what they do to this origin story and it leads to really, really bad things. Mm-hmm. I, I think I agree with you, Aaron, there. I, I think it's incredibly unhelpful if we're just a random chance that just happened to be and exist. It gives you no real grounding. In fact, it gives your life no meaning or purpose or direction at all. You have nothing to gain there except emptiness. It's all meaningless and void. And I think that people, when they connect to that, they're not doing so in a consistent way because if they did... Their life is virtually meaningless. You have to create meaning because your origin has nothing there to offer you whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm following with you there. Yeah, so so I think what people do there then is, mm-hmm. is they look at that origin mm-hmm. story and say, there's not a lot of meaning here. Mm-hmm. So I can only go so far back in the connection. And what we do then is we go back to just our immediately immediate family heredity. Mm-hmm. So I am this way because I am the spawn of my parents who were this way. And so we find our potential for greatness or for evil in terms of our DNA. Mm. And and actually there's a whole worldview that we refer to as biological reductionism, (laughs) you know, in in these terms. And and I think it's really going to lead us in a bad place, to a bad place. And I think, you know, as a society, we're sort of headed down this road of, Mm-hmm. We're, we're grounding ourselves on a bad origin story. Sure. Now, I think that the Bible offers a better origin story. I sure, I believe I that sure hope so. 100%. <laughs> yeah. But we have to remember that the Bible's being written to people who are hearing alternative origin stories. Mm-hmm. And so I believe Moses wrote the Pentateuch. I don't think he wrote all of it. There are certainly sections in it that just he couldn't have written. Um, he, of course, has died. And there are sections of the Pentateuch that extend beyond his death and these Mm -hmm. sort of things. But but I think we attribute the authorship of the Pentateuch to Moses. Well, where did Moses grow up? Egypt. Egypt, yeah. He grew up in Egypt, but he had a mother who took care of him for some time who we would assume has Mm -hmm. some context for Yahwism, you know, Yahweh, God, um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
but the Israelites have been in captivity for 400 years, okay? So that's a long time. How long has the United States of America existed? Uh, 200-something yeah. years. So, so double yeah. that. Yeah. And you can see how people could be distanced from their original origin story. So in the United States, I think most of the people who helped found our country and rebel against Britain <laughs> had an origin story that included God in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, 200 plus years later, that's not the prevailing current of the thought. And so I think if we look back to the Israelites in Egypt, 400 years, probably even among Israelites, there's not this prevailing thought of God as the the God of Abraham is the origin of the universe, okay? Mm. So they're surrounded by these or, these Egyptian origin stories that include multiple gods or other Mesopotamian stories, kind of this ancient Near East idea. And so Moses is writing to counteract those wrong mm. visions of the past. These other deities, false gods. Yeah, it, mm. it's to write, set the story straight. Mm-hmm. And he emphasizes that God created and there's no violence, there's no sexual perversion, there's none of that. God speaks and creation happens, right? And in fact, he makes people like him. And so they're owned by him, possessed by him. They mm-hmm. owe themselves mm-hmm. to him. And there's an explanation for marriage in this origin story. There's an explanation for the evil in the world in this origin story. But it sets the story straight, mm-hmm. and it, it gives them a new vision of reality. Now... They have a second origin story as a nation. That origin story is the Exodus. Mm. So if we think of a lot of their laws that God gives, he'll, he'll talk about their treatment of the foreigners in terms of their own mm. experience mm. as a foreigner, your treatment of slaves in terms of your own experience mm. as slaves. So mm. this origin story is they became a nation really as they came out of Egypt, yeah, yeah, and God fathered His Son Israel, right? And and so there's this second origin story. Now, I think it's interesting as we read the Bible that there are foreigners who can adopt that origin story and mm. adopt the creation story as the origin story and set aside all other origin stories. So the best example that I've thought of recently, because I'm studying the Book of Ruth, <laughs> is Ruth. So. We remember Elimelech leaves the land because of yeah. the famine. That's a sign of bad things. Like if you're leaving the promised land, <laughs> and then it's ironic because he's leaving Bethlehem, which means house of bread. So Elimelech, which means God is my king, and Naomi, you know, pleasant, are leaving the house of bread because of a famine. Mm. And their children, Malon and Killian, who its names mean like sickly and weak or something like that, kind of portending what's going to happen to them. Um, they Those two die mm-hmm. along with Elimelech, but not before they've married two Moabite women. Moabite w- people worship the false god. Mm-hmm. I think Kamesh is his name. Mm-hmm. Well, when Naomi hears that God has visited his people and given them food, she leaves with Orpah and Ruth. Orpah goes back home. And Ruth refuses, and she says, your God will become my God. Your people will become my people. Mm -hmm. And I think what Mm -hmm. she's doing is saying, I am trading out my origin story for yours. Mm. So my God, gone. My people, gone. 
I am rewriting my origin story. I'm accepting yours as mine. Mm. So much so that at the end of it, Ruth says, I, I will be buried in the land. Mm. Why do, why do you think that's important? Uh, to be buried is where you identified with, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we think of people like Sarai, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Abraham made yeah. sure that she was buried in that land, yeah. not taken back to the land of his family. Joseph wanted to have his bones moved and buried in the land. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. this is really significant that Ruth is saying, "I am planting myself literally someday <laughs> in the with you and your people." Yeah. Okay. So, what that does, I think, is number one reminds us that for us to tie into God's purposes in the world, we have to adopt God's origin story that he gave us, Mm. which is the true story. Okay. It's not just a story, it's reality, but it's an origin story that we hearken back to. So I think creation is a really big deal in affirming that God is the author of all that exists. All creation is a really, really important because it changes our purpose and our vision of the good life and of what's to come. Mm. We're now in his image. We're owned by him. And so our purpose is worked out in terms of spreading the glory of God across the the world. Mm. But Mm. then secondly, I think as we look at that and as we look at Ruth, we're reminded that of the reality that we do have other origin stories, Mm. local and national and some those stories are still true. They're real, but they are not the defining origin story. Mm, the defining mm. origin story is the origin story that God gives us. So playing this out on a couple of levels. On the first level of the person who says, I'm this way mm. because of my family. Yeah. On one level, I think we agree that's true i mean mm. we look the way we do because of our parents <laughs> yeah. you know dna and, you know it's reality it's a story of origin or perhaps we've had a really bad home growing up and so we struggle as parents or as spouses but i think the story of ruth and of everyone else in the bible shows us that we don't have to root our origin in that story we can more mm-hmm. meaningfully tie into our story as children of God. Mm. Okay? Mm. I think also on a national level, we have to do this. Okay, so, so whether you are saying, I identify with the Black Lives Matters interpretation of events, or if you're identifying with the kind of traditional, you know, American freedom from tyranny, interpretation of events as a citizen in America, we have to be able to look at the both of those origins and say, there's probably something right in both of them, but ultimately that's mm-hmm. not my origin story. Mm-hmm. I'm operating within a nation with conflicting origin stories right now, emphasized especially yeah, in this political yeah. season and other events of the summer. But if we can say, you're right, this is an origin story that I can't separate myself from really any more than I can separate myself from my immediate family origin story. Uh, That's true, but there's a better origin story that I'm tying into, and it gives me new meaning and new purpose, so much so that whatever hurt or loss or suffering is in my immediate origin story or even national origin story, it's redefined in the Mm. origin story that God gives me and ultimately in the origin story that I have in Christ as I find new life in him. Mm. 
Yeah, that's incredibly encouraging just to think about that. I mean, if you if we were not able to change our origin story based on our ethnicity alone, we'd be in some serious trouble. But seeing the example of Ruth um, that you mentioned there, and even perhaps even Rahab, who should have been destroyed but was mm-hmm. saved um, by Joshua and the people there, I mean, it's it's great to think of us now being included in the original story, the origin story of the Bible, and being able to re-identify ourselves as God's chosen people, people who are no longer under his wrath. Yeah, I I think that's right. And I think as we look at our origin stories in the way that we connect the sins of that we commit to mm-hmm. those origin stories, we look at both of them and say, I need a different origin story because I need a different eschatology. Mm-hmm. I need a different end. I want a different end. Mm-hmm. And I think the way for us to tie into God's story that he's given us is the same way that Ruth did, mm. which was I'm turning from my gods to your God. Mm-hmm. I'm turning from my people to your people. And and so the place of repentance and reception of God is all important as we co-opt a new origin story mm. or enter into that new origin story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think whether you know we're thinking about our family origins, and I think this is probably the most uh significant one because it's the one that we all deal with. Mm-hmm. I think in the news, the national origin stories is the most important one. That's why we're seeing yeah, statues yeah. toppled as events are reinterpreted or reconsidered. Mm-hmm. And sometimes rightly so. I mean, I think we can have a rose colored glasses on as we look at different events in national history. And it's good to see the other sides of that. But I think in reality, what affects us more significantly is our family origin stories and even our education origin stories and these mm-hmm, sort of things. Mm-hmm. But I think our family origin story is the one that's most significant for most people that we would talk to. Mm-hmm. And to be able to look at our families and if our origin story is troubled, mm-hmm, like bad, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can have a new origin story in God mm-hmm. and in Christ. Yeah. But we also should be warned against looking at our family origin story and saying, I had a good family. I don't need another origin story. Mm -hmm. I think what John is teaching us in John 1 through 4 is that we all need a new origin story that starts with the word who was God, who created all things and who brought all things into existence such that no one becomes a child of God because of blood, because Mm -hmm. of inheritance that way. Mm -hmm. And so we Mm -hmm. need a new origin story, and we can't rely on our good family origin story, and Mm -hmm. we shouldn't Mm -hmm. cower underneath a bad family origin story. Instead, we enter into the origin story of God's family. Mm -hmm. The new birth, being born again into his family. Exactly. Well, I think that we've probably talked enough about origin stories here. I think that it is so important, and it's important because it stands at the beginning of a worldview. So it changes not only the way that we think, but also the way we feel and affect and relate. And so understanding this idea of our origin story is rooted in God and creation is really all important for us to be able to understand our origin story is rooted in God in the new creation work that he's done through Christ and his spirit. Questions and Answers about the Bible and theology is a podcast of Crystal Lake Baptist Church in Burnsville, Minnesota. You can visit us online at www.clbcmn.org.